so it's commonly said we we went i think it was a year ago maybe a year to the cinema to watch the tribute to peter green where yeah, yeah. remember we and we were the i think it was two there was us two and two of our, our fleet were <laughs> literally in the whole cinema yeah and they were playing you know, it was, a, it was a tribute, and everyone turned up. Everybody, even Noel Gallagher turned up. You yeah. know, Neil Finn turned yeah. up. Everyone, Pete guy, Townsend. Guy from uh, Guys and Roses, Axel Rose was there. Did he turn up? Yeah. Oh no, it was not, not Slash. No, no, no that's like the the. Um, uh, oh, I just lost it. Not Axel Rose. Uh, the the uh, the guy from Aerosmith, Steve Tyler. Steve Tyler turned yeah, up. Yeah, he was. You've obviously got Mick Fleetwood there on drums, yeah. you know, and, and all of the old rock and roll got to pay homage basically to Peter yeah. Green and play. It was a concert playing, so it was a fantastic right. thing to go and see. Um, and uh, even though it was just four of us, but it, it was a, it was an indicator of how much he's revered and uh, as a guitar yeah. player. So I would say, listening to him, you can hear he's a level above even the Claptons of the world or the Jeff yeah. Becks. So, I mean, people might quibble over that, but he is revered at least in that bracket yeah. of people. Do you want to talk about, just do the slight backstory for people who don't know, why it's Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac? So let's just start there very loosely as, as that sort of like um, timeline of how he formed them and then how, how he came into your life. Yeah, well, they, they were, um, I mean, all the original Fleetwood Mac were very much blues musicians, particularly Peter. Um, you know, their, their, their character and their music was all based around the blues. And they did go out to Chicago and record some blues albums. And, and the, With chess or around those, uh, those blue, um Blue Note or no? My, no, Blue Horizon was the English label, which, was, which had John May and people like that. I, know. I can't remember. I think they recorded it in Chicago, but it was released over here by um, Blue Horizon. Because the Stones also did something similar, they were also blues out, yeah, and they would. There's yeah. a st story of them going over the studios and yeah. John Lee Hooker's painting the walls or something because yeah. it to make money, and yeah. they can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a god to them. It, yeah. yeah, very strong blues influence that for those early rock and roll people. I, I think even the Beatles there was some blues influence there. But um, so Peter was a musician. Um, I don't, I, th I don't think he'd done anything particularly well known, but he was getting a reputation as being a, a, a very good guitar player. Because um, there were blues clubs around. Yeah, London a lot of blues you, clubs. That you yeah, could play yeah, and, yeah, and do yeah. the circuit. And yeah, I think the jazz clubs had sort of morphed into blues clubs and things like that. Which again is where the Stones came. Well, you know, you could do, you could go around those clubs, yeah, couldn't so you, and, 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 and sort of trade trade you know, blows with the yeah. people. It was a, a scene, a very active scene. Very active scene. And they were, the, the leading guy in that scene at the time was a guy called John Mayle. Yeah. Had a band called John Mayle's Blues Breakers. And, you know, quite a lot of musicians, it was a sort of rite of passage uh, to be part of the Blues Breakers. And Derek Clapton was there. Uh, um, Peter went through there. Um, yeah, a lot of people. And... Um, Peter decided to put a band together and he found Mick Fleetwood and he found John McVie. Um, and originally it was Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, that's what it was known as. And uh, that band started to play at the sort of bluesy places around England, mainly around London. Uh, Jeremy Spencer was also a member at that time. Keyboardist? Is he the keyboard? Spence? 
He was in the he was in the he film we watched. Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was guitarist and right. singer. Um, I think in the beginning that was it. I don't think there was anybody else in the beginning. Um, they started to gig, grab a bit of attention, um, and then a manager by the name of Clifford Adams, who I was representing as an accountant, um, discovered you know, found them signed them to a management deal and then signed them uh, to originally to this uh, Blue Horizon record label and then subsequently I think to Warner's I think I think he was signed to WEA and through Clifford I was handling all their financial affairs um, Peter didn't stick with the band that long um, but he was there for the hits he was there for um, Albatross. Albatross. Need your love so bad. Uh, need your love so bad. Green Man Alishi. Oh well. Um, and the band was getting more and more successful. I think Danny Kerwin had been added to the lineup. And. Do you go to see them? Ever see them at that stage? No. No. And Peter then decided he'd had enough. And he left the band. Uh, the band had been in Germany. And some rich Germans, Germans had asked him, yeah, come back to our house, come back to the mansion, um, come back to the mansion. And um, that's where he was introduced to acid, LSD. Yeah. And he didn't handle that very well. I mean, all the band were dropping acid, but he, he didn't handle it very well. So he had, he had enough. Um, but he, and he didn't, continued performing he just really had enough um, so he, in many ways he's like Sid Barrett with, yes. with, Pink, Floyd, with yeah. Pink Floyd yeah except that he was around but um, yeah, I remember once having a conversation with somebody who was in a club telling them everybody he was Peter Green and I got him on the phone and I said who are you he said I'm Peter Green I said no you're not yes I am I, said, no, you're not. I know what Peter Green sounds like this guy was imitating Peter Green so I don't know, and he started to do manual job. He became a grave digger. Really? Mm. In London? Yes. He, so Peter Green is, is a grave digger? A grave digger, yes. But yeah. people know, musicians know, still know where he Are they looking after him or he's, he's no, isolated no, himself? No, he's isolated himself. So he's all, literally done the loneliest job he can do, or the most yeah. isolated job he can do. Yeah, and he's sort of, in a world, I don't know how regularly he continued to take drugs, but I imagine quite a lot it's I've, a scene isn't it this yeah. guy the, the brilliant talent digging yeah. graves and he really had no interest that I was aware of and he continued to, to be part of music I collected his money in a sort of semi-managerial way royalties royalties and he yeah. had quite a lot of royalties coming in because of the success of those four or five songs yeah Albatross must Albert, have yeah, yeah. enormous yeah and um, I would pay out money as he needed it. He'd come by fairly regularly for cash. To the office? Yes. So uh, he would come to the Mayfair office? Yes, yes. Uh, and, and they would know who he was? Because yes. he must have been bedraggled in, in the yes, stage. Yeah, but they know they who David he was. Peter's here. Yeah. yeah. And so I'd arrange money for him, pay his rent. Didn't need much. 
Um, and you got on at this stage? You liked it? Well, fine, yeah. Peter I mean, we weren't best buddies, but I mean, but you, but Peter, Peter Green was an East London Jewish boy, yeah. Peter Greenberg? Peter Greenbaum. Did you ever talk about that? that a bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, but then I think he converted to Christianity. Um, right. And he dropped Baum, who became just Peter Green. Um, and he met a married woman who seemed okay. Um, and then one day, he told me when he, yeah, he came into the office and he didn't want to have any money he didn't want to be involved with money anymore he wanted to give away all his money did he tell you why some sort of message that he vision or yeah, vision, yeah. yeah. Well, money was not money was a bad thing and I said well how, we, how, you, know, how are you going to live uh, don't worry it'll be fine okay so I now had a professional dilemma because if I'd given all his money away when he was in my opinion, not of sound mind. Yeah, not confidence mental. You, you had a duty of care. I had him. a duty of care, but I mean, who am I to judge? Was he of sound mind or not? I mean, I can't give a professional opinion on it, but he clearly was not of sound mind. Um, if I had given all his money away, but a lot of, I don't know, but I mean, you know, I could have been in a lot of trouble. People have said you should have been more responsible. Um, you could have lost your license yeah, to practice. Yeah, they, should, would, they would have reviewed it. And yeah, said, exactly. You should, you should have you know, not listened to him. Um, and if I didn't give the money away, I was um, not taking my client's instruction. Yeah. So this is a dilemma. It's a dilemma. Um, Throw him out the window. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided not to give his money away. Um, did you consult the partners? Did you take advice? Did you say, listen, this is a tricky one? No, no, because they wouldn't get it. They, you know, it, was, it was, no. So they're not in your world at all. You're just doing your thing. Yeah. And they're doing Yeah. And I thought, no, well, I'll, I'll keep the money there and see where it goes to. <laughs> Put it in a trust or anything? Or just left, no, just just left it, it? Just, just left it sitting there. And then. I get a call from Peter's dad, Joe, Joe Green, a real character, and he, he gets on the phone, he says, Mr. Simmons or David? I think it was Mr. Simmons. Mr. Simmons, he said, my son wants to give him all his money to charity. He said, tell him that charity begins at home, which I thought was great. <laughs> I said, all right, Joe, it'll be fine. Um, and then it all went quiet for a while. Um, he's still grave digging, or who he, knows? I don't know. He's, he's, I don't know. Um, so the thing is about Peter Green is that he could have made money just throwing the world. Anyone would have given him a gift yeah, yeah. if he just went to any country and yeah. said, "I'm Peter Green," and got on stage, yeah, yeah. which was almost how old blues players made their money. Yeah. He could have had that life. Yes. No one would have not put him on immediately, yeah. so he could have had that sort of. But he probably couldn't have managed that. It sounds like no. in his head. No. He's very fragile. Yeah, Clifford Davis. He's fallen out with him. Yeah. Um, so really, you're his last line of defence in some to ways. To some degree, I mean, yeah, it was about, yeah, I was about one of the few realistic things in his life, and um, we uh, yeah, kept him going with money. And then it was New Year's Eve. I was in the office. We had these real sort of fuck off offices in in Mayfair, and. Um, I was probably the only one left in the office. I was trying to tidy things up. And the phone goes, and it's Clifford Adams. And he said, look, I don't think 
this is likely to happen, but I feel able to tell you that Peter has a shotgun and he thinks that I'm God and you're the devil or the other way around. And he's coming around to shoot you and shoot all the windows out of your office and things. He said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go around to Savile Road Police Station and have him lifted. Okay, said Clifford, I understand. So then Mum rings me and said, where are you? We've got a New Year's Eve party to go to and you're... I said, well, it's been slightly... <laughs> Slightly strange days, dear, and uh, stuff I have to do. Would she, if you'd have said, oh, it's Peter Green, would she have known who that was? Yes. You told her who the clients were. Yeah, yeah. So she would have, I and mean, would you have said, look, he's a fragile, along the way, look, this guy, I'm managing, I'm helping him with his rent? No, not or, necessarily, no. She no. did, well, she wouldn't have had the context to know, yeah. oh, again, this is the separation that you've kept yeah. throughout. Yeah. To go, oh, wait, oh, it's Peter, if he's in trouble, you know, no. you got. she wouldn't have had that no, degree of... No, no, no. Right. Um, so I trot round to Savile Road Police Station, which was known as the police station for entertainers and <laughs> high media people, mainly because of where it was. Um, which would have been down the road for you. Yeah, probably, yeah just yeah, down yeah, the road, yeah. 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 From Mayfair. So I walk in, and there's three very smartly dressed coppers. Good there, evening, sir. <laughs> Good evening, sir. How can we help you? I said, uh, okay, it's like this. There's this musician called Peter Green, and I have it on a very, very, very good source that he has a gun, a shotgun, and they've seen the bullets as well. And he's planning to come round and shoot me. Yes, sir. Well, he hasn't come round to shoot you yet, has he, sir? So I'm thinking, this is an interesting conversation. I said, no. He has not yet come round to shoot me yet. And I don't think he will come round and shoot me. But I think he could shoot his father. I think he could shoot himself. I think there's several people he could sh shoot, me included. And all I want you to do is go and take the gun away from him because he's not the sort of person you want running around London with a gun. Yeah, they sort of mumbled amongst themselves. Oh, OK, well, we've, we've noted this down anyway. That didn't make me feel very confident, but I went home. And then I heard fairly soon after that, that they had lifted Peter, um, found the gun, found the bullets, and they'd sectioned him. And um, he went to an institution for quite some time. Um, I heard from his father and his brother, who actually were appreciative of what I'd done, because they felt otherwise he'd be dead. And when Peter came out, he did come to see me, and he was okay. we were okay. He said, yeah, I was going to shoot you, it's yeah, just drugs talking. Um, and we were okay. And then he formed the um, Peter Green Splinter Group. And, you know, he was happy towards the end of his days, gigging and I don't know if they went abroad. Um, still had the money from, from his role royalties. And I think he found some happiness, you know. He was always quite an introspective person anyway, but, um, yeah, I think he, he you know, he was... A bit, 
bit like uh, again, like Lee Scratchberry, he's he his reputation accrued with time. Yes. The fact that I know about him yes. in that way, I think any guitar player would come now. He would be in the pantheon of oh, guitar, totally. guitar uh, players. So in in many ways, you did help him. Yes. And I, yeah, enormously. They used, used to write Eric on Eric Clapton. Yes, Eric is God. And then they, but they were writing Peter Green as God before that. Um, so um, Peter lived till he lived to a fair old age, died a few years ago. And there was this massive tribute to him that we went to see the film. Um, but there was, yeah, it was odd bits of chaos in his life after that. But um, what's interesting about this 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 entry is that. Of all of them, even though it's quite it's a sad story and, and it's you know it's a sort of a waste of a talent in, in many ways, you know, it's very well known. I remember being in Australia and up the coast and opening the Sydney Morning Herald, and this story was in the papers. And you say it's frequently. Then, if you Google anyone yeah. listening now, Peter Green shoots his accountant. Yeah, it's there. It's part, it's yeah. moved into folklore as 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 a. More yeah. than the others, so you won't find Lee Scratch Perry and his pigeons. Well, I don't know, yeah. I haven't looked, but but the, the, but you but you will find this one. Why do you think this one has been the one of the well, ones that is like you know moved into folklore? Because it's a sort of an attractive story, isn't it? You know, most people say that he shot me, not that he was going to shoot me. That, that, right? They, well, how did they? And what? And you survived it? Well, I was dead. But they keep ringing you up, though. Uh, no, nobody rang me up to. No, but journalists every so often will contact you now, won't they? Very rarely. They're lazy journalists. Because I, I had some issues over a story. I think it was Peter Green's story. They just take what's been said before and mix the words up. Yeah, they're not interested in the truth. And, and, um, but how did this one, because it's quite private, yes. get into the public domain and folklore? There's no, you didn't report it, no. you didn't sell the story. No. You've, you've um, never done that, have you? You've never sold a story to the journal no. about your clients. No. So why this one? Why is this? Why why not the one in Sweden yeah. with the Mali and you know the gap? I mean that I, one. I don't know how that gathered. It's interesting. I do remember driving along one day to work, listening to the radio, and I think the DJ was Dave Lee Travis. Yeah. I think it was Dave Lee Travis, and he said out of the blue today is the anniversary of when Peter Green shot his accountant that has to be a good thing how is that possible <laughs> that's bizarre what did you do well I thought oh. so that's 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 no, feels no. slightly disproportionate yeah. someone mentions you on the radio yeah I mean the way he said I it think you were saying it, like shooting accountants is a good thing not you well yeah. He didn't know you. For, no, uh, but I was upset, so I, quite, <laughs> I, I was quite pleased. When so you used the old Rasta curse. And I guess he lost his career. Um, right. Well, so, so, you know. Your tribe's older than his tribe. Yeah, so fucking hell. To do that, to play for free, right. to have money, to play for free. It's interesting hearing that coming from, from the man who, and uh, his songs in 1969, were selling more than the Beatles and the Stones put together. Has money never been important to you? Has, has it almost been an annoyance to you? No, it's not been an annoyance to me. I don't know where that comes from, where that comes from. I don't know that is, but what I was going to do was um, give some money away. But I thought, I, I seemed to think I wanted to give all my money away. And uh, they did, they, give, um, they gave it all away. 
<laughs> well, they told me that, wasn't it? But then I was checked into going into a um, psychiatric hospital and having tranquilizer, and I had like, an ECT in there as well for uh, our overindulgence in LSD. And uh, I couldn't really get back from it. I couldn't really get back, even to this day. I'm still, you know, like star standards about it, you know. I'm still. Amazing, I, 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 still, I can still drift onto it, and um, it's kind of a very heavy dream. I, I didn't know what I was there for until so many years. Just recently, I, 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 it came to me, I must have been there for drugs, you know. Could it possibly be true, you know, that I was there for drugs? Is it that, is it that uh, solution, that simple, that good, you know? He would have thought it. I didn't know what I was there for.